Well, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. You men, am I on? I got this feeling I'm not on. Check. Well, we'll just go with it, all right? We'll figure it out. There it is. All right, amen. Yeah, I want to just thought, the thought came to be on, on Mother's Day, and I just wanted to kind of hit this idea of the things that mothers have taught us. The things that mothers have taught us. Mothers have taught us to appreciate a job well done. Um, usually the saying that followed that would be, if you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just cleaned the house. Mothers teach us about religion. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. I know my mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. Mothers teach us about logic. Because I said so, that's why. <laughs> Mothers teach us about foresight. Make sure that you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. Here's one that my mom used often. They teach us about irony. If you keep crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Mothers teach us about the science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your supper. Not sure how that works. They teach us about stamina. You better sit there till all that spinach has gone off your plate. They teach us about weather. Your room looks like a tornado went through it. Teach us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. They teach us about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. They taught us, they taught us about anticipation. Boy, you just wait till you get home. And on the flip side of that, they also taught us about receiving. You're going to get it when you get home. <laughs> How many of your mothers have taught you about medical science? If you keep crossing your eyes, they're going to stay that way, right? Taught us about roots. Shut that door behind you. What, do you think you were born in a barn? Mothers teach us about wisdom. You ever lost your keys or your wallet? And you get these wise words of wisdom from your mother that go something like this. Well, where did you leave it last? <laughs> or maybe, maybe this one's better. Well, it's got to be somewhere. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> and finally, mothers teach us about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope that they grow up just like you. 
<laughs> this morning, we're going to hop around different passages of Scripture, but in all seriousness, we can't say enough good things about our mothers. Um, and God has is, is really placed ladies in our life for such a time as this. We're going to talk about characteristics of a godly mom, but before we do that, I want us to uh, revisit one of the Ten Commandments, and it, it says this in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Moses receives this commandment from God, and, and you stop to think about it. What does it mean to honor your mother and your father? You know, the original text, the word for that, um, that meant for that word honor literally meant to make heavy, to make heavy. So in other words, we're not to take our parents lightly. God calls us to actively give them respect and reverence. You know, sometimes that commandment can be a tough thing to chew on, especially in this age that we live in, because this seems to be an age of disrespect. Youth is glorified and old age is seen as something to avoid at all costs. We have procedures done to make us look younger. We have things that, that we are bombarded with on TV and in movies. And most of the time, they often portray youth as being this glorified thing. And uh, typically, those who are old or parents, they seem to be pathetic or uh, kind of overbearing Maybe buffoons. I mean, anybody remember such fathers as Homer Simpson? The elderly are, are often viewed as being senile and to be avoided if you wanted to have a good time. And then it seems like that media is reflecting the attitude of culture, the disrespect of parents, the disrespect of, of grandparents. But today, I want us to understand this, that when the Bible says, honor your father and mother, it, doesn't, it means this, to not take them lightly, to show respect, to show honor, to show love. Parents are worthy of that. Today, I'd like to share some passages of Scripture briefly that share what a good mother looks like. If you turn with me in your Bible to Exodus chapter 2, we're going to do three examples of three different ladies. And in Exodus chapter 2 is where we're going to begin. Begin reading in verse 1. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. 
Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she became, he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. First characteristic of a good mother is this, that they're a priestly mom. They look after their child. You know, Moses was born from the tribe of Levi. Levi was in Israelite, the way that the Israelites were uh, assembled and, and gathered. The tribe of Levi was considered the priest. And so Moses would have been in the line of priesthood, and his mother protects him. She puts this child in the river, but sends the daughter out with him. You know, it's amazing if, if you stop to think about how dangerous that really was. Let me backtrack just a little bit to kind of give you a little bit of history of what's going on here. Pharaoh had decreed because the Israelites were getting too big. They were getting, there was too many of them, and, and he was afraid that they would overtake Egypt, and so he declared that the, the firstborn of, of every son would be killed, and, and so Moses was fitting that, he was in, lumped into that group. And so his mother hid him for a period of uh, three months, and, and how many of you know you can't hide a baby very long? Because, you know, just think about it. All the logistics of, of having a, a baby, right? Not to mention all of the uh, smells and stuff that would be coming from your house that might be a little different. Um, and you'd have to go down and, and what, what, why are you washing out those? What, what are we washing out here? You know, And the, the nursing and all of the things and the crying and the noises. And so it got to the place where she couldn't, she couldn't hide him any longer. And so she got a basket, and it was a, the Bible says it was a papyrus basket, which I think is kind of ironic because that was what they used as paper back in the day. And she covered it with tar and pitch. And, and you say, well, what's the irony in that? Well, the irony is Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And so maybe there's a little bit of irony in that. And she makes this basket, and she puts it in the Nile River, and her daughter Miriam goes and watches the basket. Now, you might have picked up on a few things that with the, uh, even the, the daughter of Pharaoh, she was out bathing in the river, and they would have attendants kind of watching and going along the shoreline. Do you know why? Because of crocodiles and snakes, Right? If you know anything about the Nile River, you know that it's infested. There's a ton of crocodiles. There's a ton of snakes. Um, and that is a pretty dangerous place to put a baby. And so uh, she puts this baby in, and they would watch for crocodiles, and they would watch for snakes as people were bathing. And, and if they saw one, they would try to detour it enough for the person to get out of the water. So Moses gets his start in the river, and the, the Pharaoh's daughter snatches him up, and all of a sudden, the daughter is there. Do you catch that? It's like, oh, hey, by the way, um, do you want me to get somebody to nurse him? Do you want me to get somebody to take care of him? Yeah, absolutely. So check this out. Not only was 
Moses supposed to be a, a son that was supposed to be killed. Now his mother is raising him for the first several years of his life, and Pharaoh is paying for it. Isn't that cool how God works? Because his mother decided that this, this child, I was going to protect this child. Mothers are protectors. Today we honor mothers, and it's good for us to think about how much mothers really do for us. You stop a minute and just think about that. Being a mom is not a walk in the park. I mean, by the time a child reaches 18, a mother has had to handle some 18,000 extra hours of child-generated work. In fact, it said this, the, t- the statistic, boy, it's, English is hard. The statistic says this, women who have never had children enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months a year in leisure time. Just saying. Moses' mother was a strong influence in his life. She would raise him during those critical years. How many of you know that in the first, um, I believe it's the first five years, the learning of, of a child is amazing. The, the, how much they retain and how much they learn in the first five years is so important. So Moses' mother would then have the opportunity to raise this child up and teach him the ways of God, teach him what it meant to be an Israelite, teach him what it meant to serve God with all of your heart, to take those things that Moses would write about later in Deuteronomy that, that would say, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors, yourself. Those kind of things would be the things that Moses' mother would have the power and the influence to be able to share with him because they were important. She never gave up on that. Even in the midst of a terrible situation, she never gave up. There's a story, and I'll have different stories throughout this message, just some funny things, but some of them are very poignant. A young father was trying to explain the concept of marriage to his four-year-old daughter. So he got out their wedding album thinking that maybe if I saw some visual images, that might help this process along. But when he was finished, he asked his daughter, he went through the whole wedding service, went through the whole stuff. He says, now, do you have any questions? Um, and and he point, she pointed to the picture of the wedding party, and she asked her dad this question. She says, Dad, is that the day Mommy came to work for us? The second thing, a good mother is one that perseveres, perseveres in her spirit. Turn with me over to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1 is typically a a passage of scripture that we would use for um, baby dedication and, and those kind of things because of the perseverance and the sacrifice of this woman, Hannah. In verse 5, we're told that Elkanah, who was her husband, um, gave her the special portion of the sacrifice because he loved her very much. Um, Even though she couldn't have any kids, he loved her extremely. And in verse 9, we find that Hannah is a woman who is devoted to God. It says this in verse 9, starting in verse 9. Once when they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. 
In her deep anguish, Anna prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look at your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. She prays, and, and the Bible says that she prays in deep anguish, um, crying out bitterly, it says. Why? Because she begged God for years that he would have, she could have a baby. All she wanted was a baby. And she begged, and she pleaded, and she prayed over her, her child that wasn't even born, wasn't even conceived yet. And she got on her face before God, and, and if you continue reading that passage, she was so intense about it that the priest thought she was drinking. He thought that she was drunk. She was that intense about her prayer time. She was that intense about persevering for in the spirit realm for her son. And I know that I sit in a room today where there are mothers all around this room and you have persevered in spirit for your children. You have gone to the Lord and many of you at different times have wept and you've cried out and you've sought after God. Can I tell you those kind of things? God hears those prayers. Hannah was at the altar and she's crying out and, and she's weeping before the Lord and God hears her as she begins to put all of herself on this altar and say, God, if only you would give me a son, I will turn around and give him back to you. And isn't that what we do with our kids? That God blesses us with our kids and, and we in turn turn around and give them back to him? I mean, you know, that's not easy either. I remember we, um, with our kids, we, we dedicated both of our children to the Lord. And it was just recently that God began to do some things in, our, in their lives that was different than what I had planned. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, I had a path and I had a plan, but God shook that up. And that wasn't necessarily part of the agreement. Because, Lord, I told you that day that I gave them back to you, but God, that, you know, that doesn't mean that I want them to be on the other side of the world ministering the gospel. God, that doesn't mean that I want them somewhere other than where I can get them in a day's travel and pull them close to me. And I, as, as clearly as I'm talking now, I heard the voice of the Lord come to me, and he told me this, did you mean it? Did you mean it? And I said, well, what are you talking about? Did I mean it? That day you dedicated those kids to me, and you said, God, whatever you have for their life, whatever you want to do in them, whatever it is that you want to take them to, even if it means that it's not convenient for you, did you mean it? And at that moment, I got one of those I was caught faces on. <sighs> yes, God. I meant it. You see, when we dedicate our kids back to God like, Han like Hannah did, there's no telling what God may do in their life. 
There's no telling what, how God may use them. But the most important thing is for us to know is that we have given them back to him. And so whether they are rocket scientists or whether they are nurses or doctors or lawyers or uh, groundskeepers or missionaries or ministers, they're his. And a mom, a godly mom, a good mom recognizes that just like Hannah did. And they pray for their kids. And they seek God for their kids. Like I said earlier, I know some of you have been seeking God for your kids for a long time. And you've been praying and interceding for them. And you've asked God to take their life. You've asked God to bring them back to himself. Some of you have asked God to, to just protect them as they are out doing things that they shouldn't be doing. But can I tell you, in your prayers, God's heard you. As you've persevered, God has heard you. It's funny because the name Samuel actually means this, heard by God. Heard by God. So within that mom who sought God, got a hold of God, answered by God, touched by God, she persevered. And what was impossible turned into something possible. And she conceived. I want to challenge you, not just moms, but moms and dads and those that are in this room, to pray for your kids. To pray over your children. Because you never know the impact. You may not see it on this earth in your lifetime. But there is something that happens as you begin to call out to God. Something happens in spiritual places that you can't see. And God begins to move. I would make a reference. Sometimes I'll give you a reference. Here's a reference book that is, I found to be very powerful. It's written by a lady by the name of Stormy Omar, Stormy Omartin. It's called Power of a Praying Parent. Very good book. I encourage you to, uh, it'll help you as you pray for your kids. Finally today, I want us to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Actually, it's chapter 1, sorry. Chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Timothy is one of Paul's he was uh, someone that Paul had nurtured. It was somebody that Paul had poured his life into. Um, he was someone that was a pastor of a church, but he'd also had faced some pretty tough situations and circumstances. As a matter of fact, if, if you look at both 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, both of those letters are written uh, to encourage Timothy to keep on keeping on kind of deal. First um, Timothy says it this way, let nobody despise you because you're young, but be an example. All of those people that are looking out down at you, Timothy, because they think that you don't have enough knowledge, they think you're not old enough, they think you're not wise enough, they think you're not smart enough. Timothy, don't let anybody despise you, but you set an example. You set an example. I know you're going through a difficult time, but set that example. Second Timothy, uh, Paul is, is ex exhorting um, uh, Timothy again here. He's offering some guidance and some existence. And, and he says this beginning in verse, verse 3. He says, I thank God 
whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience as night and day I consistently remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Then he says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. Timothy was someone that uh, he had a godly heritage with the females in his family. If you read back in, and I believe it's in Acts chapter 16, you'll see another reference to Timothy and, and his mother. She, he was, she was a Jewish woman, but his father was a Roman. And, and so whenever it talks about his faith, your sincere faith, that was passed on from his grandmother to his mother to him. So a good mother is one who knows how to disciple their kids. They pass down the things that they have learned. We need to be mentored. We need to, each one of us needs to have someone to to come around us and be taught what's really important in life. Someone said this, mothers write on the hearts of their children what the rough hand of the world cannot erase. I think that quote says it well, that mothers are disciple makers. They have an opportunity to hand down their faith about God. They have an opportunity to hand down the the unique ability to demonstrate God's love to themselves and from themselves to their kids. You know, this morning, as as it was Mother's Day, I began to reflect um, about my mom and began to think about her. I I won't get the opportunity to see her. I'll I'll call her this afternoon and and talk to her um, and wish her a happy Mother's Day, but got to thinking about all the things that, that she had poured into my life and how patient she was with me. <laughs> I could tell you stories. I, I remember one time, you know, when I was in church, it was a Sunday night, and the kids were upstairs, and, man, I was, I don't know what I was doing, but it, it must have been bad, probably talking or trying to crash my cars on the pew or something. I was making a lot of noise, and my mom looked at me, and, and she said, you better stop because you need to listen. You need to listen. You need to hear. I was young. I was like six, seven years old. She says, I I want you to hear. I want you to be able to hear what God's telling you. And you know how that is. You know, you sit down and you're like, and I stopped for a minute and then I went back to it. She looked at me again and she says, I told you to stop. Okay, whatever couple minutes later, I'm doing it again. She grabs my hand, and down the middle aisle we go. And I knew what that meant, because I've been there before. And my dad tells a story. He laughs every time he tells it. He tells a story of I got about to the next to the last pew as we're getting ready to walk out the door, and I yell in the congregation, pray for me. You laugh. I was serious. <laughs> I think I got a little harder that time when we got to the foyer. But you know, I think back of all the times and all the things that, 
that mom did for me and all the prayers she prayed, all the times when she would sacrifice, all the times when she would tell me about Jesus, all the times when I would see her and dad, their Bible open, knowing that they were serving God, seeing the passion that that they gave me and the heritage that they left for me. And this morning, as it was Mother's Day, I started to, to ponder those things and think about those things, and I began to thank God. I began to thank God because I had the heritage that I had. That I had a mother who was willing to weep tears and cry out for her son. She didn't just do it when I wasn't saved. She did it after I got saved. And then she was willing to take her son knowing that um, he was not going to probably live around her. Say, God, here he is. I give him to you. And as I've gone from this place to that place to that place here in Byesville, has supported me, has loved me, and encouraged me, has prayed for me, has been wisdom for me. Paul tells Timothy this thought, and it's something that I so connect with. He says, I thank God for your sincere faith, which I saw in your grandmother, and I saw in your mother, and now I'm convinced I see it in you. The greatest thing you'll ever pass down is not a recipe. The greatest thing you'll ever pass down is not some family secret. The greatest thing you'll ever pass down to your kids is a godly heritage and a godly faith that says no matter what the devil throws at me, no matter what I face, no matter what comes about in my life, I have decided I'm going to follow Jesus. I saw my mom following Jesus. I saw my parents following God. I'm going to lay down and I'm going to say, God, I'm going to do whatever you want to do. Why? Because I've seen the reality of what serving you is all about because I've seen it in the life of my mom. And I've seen it in the life of my dad. Whether you had that or not, or whether that was a part of your life or not, today you have an opportunity to say, listen, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know what happened in your past. You can't change your past. But you can change from today forward. You can change your future. And you can say, God, I have decided that for me and my house, for me and my kids, I want to set something up in my life, a spiritual journey, a spiritual heritage that will live long after I'm gone. And will live in the life of those people that are closest to me. That's the power of a godly mom is the fact that it doesn't stop with you. It lives on past you. Generations. Generations. Hallelujah. Our kids need an example of what sincere faith looks like. Too often I've heard parents say this, that they wanted their children to make their own minds up about religion. That's usually the case because they haven't made up their own. 
I've decided to follow Jesus. I've taken a, a stance that Joshua took as he closed out his book, and he said this, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, I can't, once you get out of my house, that's, I pray that you come back to the things that you were taught when you were here. But if you're going to live under my roof, this is, here's another one of those things, right? If you're going to live under my roof, it's going to be my rules. But in reality, what that looks like is this. If you're going to live under my roof, I want you to know that we want to live by this. We want to live by the word of God. And we want to see God's power manifested in your life. Set the example. Show your wor- by your words, by your actions. Show your kids what it means to follow Jesus. Be obedient to God's word. Show them what it means to love people, even when people are hard to love. <laughs> Show what it means to have faith. Moms, I want to close before we have this time. We're going to honor you here in just a moment, but I want to close by reading a passage of Scripture. It's in Proverbs 31. And if you look at this, the subtitle in my Bible, it says this, The Wife of Noble Character. Let's read that for us this morning. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while she is while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and that her works bring praise, that her works bring her praise at the city gate. Moms, I want to just acknowledge you with this thought today. Thank you so much for serving Jesus. Thank you for ministering to your family. Thank you for the love, the strength, the support, the patience, and the forgiveness that you show. I want to do something just a little bit different this morning. Would everyone please stand? 
Before we're going to have a prayer here in a moment, we're going to ask the moms to come forward. But before we do, if you're there and your mom is there or your wife is, is here, here's what I want us to do for the, just the next couple of moments. Would you just share a hug with them and tell them how much you love and appreciate them and all they do? Can we do that just for a minute? If your mom's there, don't be, it's okay. I'm going to ask all the moms to come. If you could come forward and just line the front here. Don't go tapping my wife for numbers for the pie. She don't know. Kind of spread out a little bit. You may have to go down the aisle a little bit. You may have to turn and kind of go down the aisle a little bit. Again, let me just start by just saying thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for all the things you do for us. Thank you for all the, the blessings that, that you give us just by being you. And so we just, we honor you and we so appreciate you today. We understand that being a mom is a difficult assignment. There's sleepless nights involved. There's times when uh, you, you look and, and you think, man, what in the world is going on when it seems like things are kind of chaotic? <laughs> And that's probably just your husband. Um, but we thank you. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for the, the, the mark that you leave on our life. Because it's not just temporary, it's eternal. And we are so grateful for all the blessings that you give us. And so, those of you that are at your seat, would you stretch your hands this way? And let's pray over our moms. Can you do that? Moms, would you join hands with the mom next to you? Heavenly Father, I stand here today in front of greatness. God, you have called these ladies to be priestess in their home, to live for Jesus, and to show what faith looks like. That they could impart God's strength to their kids, that they could impart values to their kids, that they could show what it means to be a Christian, to show what it means to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that God, they would persevere in times when it would seem like things are tough. They would persevere in, in their love. They would persevere in their prayers and seeking you. God, that they would be women who 
who know what it's like to fall on their face before God and cry out for their kids and their family. Thank you for them today. I ask, Lord, that there would be a blessing upon them. I ask, God, that you would move in such a way that, God, the power of the Holy Spirit would just envelop them this morning. And that as they go about the, the, the joy and the pleasure and the difficulty and sometimes even the heartache of being a mom, that they would sense the power of the Holy Spirit lifting them up. And that, God, you would guide their words and their thoughts and their steps. In Jesus' name, amen.